What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Rest of Season Rankings Fantasy Baseball Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Seifter, joined, as always, by my co-host, Bart Wheeler. And Bart, it's uh, we're getting the countdown to opening day has begun. Uh, the World Baseball Classic uh, just wrapped up in exciting fashion. I mean, you literally could not have had a more fitting ending to the World Baseball Classic than Mike Trout versus <laughs> Shohei Otani with two outs in the ninth in a one-run game, full count, and <laughs> the two teammates who have never got to play for anything of significance for the Angels get to decide a, what was a really fun and exciting tournament. It was awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, what do you think those guys thought when they got handed the script? I mean, were they just like, no, no one's going to believe this? <laughs> yeah, they're, they're signing up for WWE next now that they've mastered that. <laughs> Yeah, it's, I mean, that's the best thing about sports, right? It's it's not scripted. I mean, I know there's been some funny things about, like, the Arian Foster stuff and talking about football being scripted. But, like, yeah, it's, I mean, you you would write a Hollywood movie, like, ending like this. And it was, yeah, it was pretty awesome, even though. They should have uh, loaded Japan the bases off. first. I mean, that's my one complaint. Like, if you really that's want true, true yeah. drama, it's got to be two outs, bases loaded. It should be, well, it was a one-run game. So maybe, maybe like, one guy on. So if he hits a homer, the, the, oh, they yeah. win, you know. That would be yeah. maybe like a runner at second or something like that. Sure. Um, and oh. if Otani had kind of come out to like wild thing, you know, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he's not much of a wild thing. He's a very uh, – although, did you see his speech he gave uh, to his team prior to the game? No. He's like uh, – he's. it was very like Master Yoda, really. It was like uh, if you're oh. – he's like, we admire them, but if, if we just – for one day, let's stop admiring them – and that's yeah. how we can beat them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and they man. did. It yeah, worked pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's been a fun tournament. We have, of course, um, had a few injuries uh, in the World Baseball Classic. Edwin Diaz and Jose Altuve, most notably. Uh, so those are two players who uh, have plummeted in our rest of season and draft rankings, which uh, we've got a brand new set up at rosrankings.com. Uh, Edwin Diaz is out of the rankings now, I believe, <laughs> because he yeah. is out for the season. Jose Altuve is a little more uh, tricky to determine exactly where he should go. Um, so why don't we start there? We'll do a little discussion of some news and notes here at the top, and then we will get into uh, some players that Bart and I are higher on than the fantasy baseball industry as a whole, uh, and then some players we're lower on uh, than the industry as well. Uh, as shown in our rankings. So let's start with that Altuve news, Bart. Uh, sure. Where did you move Jose Altuve down in your uh, draft rankings? So I, I kind of moved him down uh, to around 100. And I think you you were, you were didn't quite move him down as far as I did. But, you know, this is really uh, dependent on your, your league too, right? Like if you're in a 10-team league, if you're even in a 12-team league, I think it makes a difference versus like a 15-team league. So the shallower the league, the more likely I am to still draft Altuve. If you have one or two IL spots, I'm more likely to draft Altuve. So if you don't have the IL spots, like that would obviously, you know, I would I would have a hard time taking him even above someone like a, a Glaber Torres or a Tommy Edmond. That's sort of where I'm like sort of drawing the line if I'm in like a 15-team league without IL spots. But I think most people now, after the COVID year and stuff, people have IL spots. So I'm still drafting Altuve, and I, I mean, I might draft a couple guys who I can throw in my IL spot uh, to start the year, and Altuve can be one of them. And if you're listening to our rankings and you, you know, our podcast and you listen to like the second base position preview, you'll be able to find someone else to plug in for a month and a half or so. 
Exactly. And again, if you notice differences between Bart and my rankings on the site and what we have up at Fantasy Pros, uh, there's a reason for that. And we note it on our website. Our, our rankings are meant to guide you in how to prioritize uh, valuation. Uh, so right now we're looking at dra- how I would draft my team. And uh, when we get in season, we're going to be looking at, how, you know, how I would value players in trades and in waiver pickups, uh, waiver priority, things like that. Uh, whereas at Fantasy Pros, it's, it's a little bit of a game, honestly. You're just trying to figure out how players are going to finish ranked at the end of the season. So for that reason, uh, innings eating pitchers who aren't really uh, outstanding and dominant, but just throw a lot of innings uh, will be higher in the rankings over there than they will be on our site. Uh, same thing with hitters, guys that just accumulate a lot of at-bats, you know, uh, maybe those kind of empty calorie uh, guys who will hit for a high average and not much else, like the Jeff McNeils of the world. They, they'll probably be mm-hmm. higher over at Fantasy Pros uh, than they will on our site because we're looking at a standard 5x5 five five format and we're looking at guys who can be impact players and, and factoring in that you can find replacement level uh, value on the waiver wire uh, if, if guys are not going to play a full season's worth of games. Um, so... For Altuve, for that reason, I didn't move him down that far because uh, I moved I moved him down to seventy seventh, um, which you know for me I put him right uh, right around uh, um, Andres Jimenez, who is also a guy I like a lot. Um, okay. And the reason for that, honestly, is because when we were doing our second base tiers, I had a big, huge tier after Andres Jimenez. I had a tier that included you mentioned Tommy Edmond; he was in there. Glaber Torres was in there. But so were guys like Max Muncy and Brandon Lau and Jonathan India and even Jorge Polanco and Tyro Estrada. So the way I look at it is in a, if you're in a 12-team league and you do have those IL spots, like take Altuve first, you know, and then you can get whichever of those guys falls for a while. You know, use like a round 15 pick or something mm-hmm. on another second baseman that can just fill in in the beginning of the season for you. And then you're going to get a real huge impact player for probably – maybe three quarters of the season, certainly two thirds of the season. So um, I think that's worth it um, in a league where uh, you can find um, some decent replacement value in your draft and on the waiver wire. Absolutely. And I know, I know we have a couple other guys to talk about like from the world baseball classic, but Bryce Harper is another guy like where it seems like, I mean, he could, he could be back by Memorial day as well, you know? So like, we both moved him slightly up our rankings as well. You know, I, I wouldn't wait in, until after the top 150 or something, especially if you have those IL spots. Like Bryce Harper could be a difference maker, and it might not even be the All Star break. You know, like he could come back sooner. So it, it depends on your league size and all that stuff. But just don't don't wait on these guys. Don't be afraid to just stash them because you'll you'll be fine in those later rounds. Like there's plenty of guys <laughs> at, every, at every position. I mean, there's there's plenty of guys, and you'll be picking guys off the waiver wire in April too. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I, I do just want a, a note of caution with Harper, though. Like, I've seen a lot of people kind of getting pretty excited about the fact that the Phillies did not put him on the uh, 60-day IL. And mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't read too much into that, you know, because uh, they don't have still to. Can. They don't need the roster spot right now. So <laughs> it's kind of like when you're, in, when you're in a fantasy league and you have open IL spots, you just pick up a bunch of guys and stash them in your IL. Why not, right? Because... There's there's nothing to lose, even though you might end up cutting those guys uh, before they ever make it into your lineup. It's just there's no reason there's no no reason not to. So I feel like it's the same kind of rationale with the Phillies. They have no reason 
not to uh, make Harper available just in case he miraculously does recover quicker than than they're expecting. But um, you said Memorial Day. I, I, to me, that still seems like the 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 most optimistic possibility. Um, I would yeah. guess it's later than that. But um, but the point still holds, which is he can be a huge impact player in the second half of the season. So um, especially given how weak outfield is this season too, I think. Um, he's a very appealing p- player to draft and you, you muddle through the first half of the season and then hopefully get a top 12 kind of an outfielder for the second half. Yeah. And uh, the, the other name you mentioned, Edwin Diaz, uh, who tore his, I think it was his patellar tendon or something with his knee, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately celebrating, you know, after the, the one of Puerto Rico's wins, which just, I mean, it just stinks. And like people like, it could happen. It's just like a freak accident, you know? Like, I just feel really bad for the guy. There's people who don't feel bad for him. Like, he's celebrating. Like, man, when people win, like, the World Series, they pile on top of each other. I'm always, like, amazed that more people don't get hurt in those situations, <laughs> to be honest. So, feel bad for the guy. Um, we both we both didn't even have David Robertson in our initial rankings, like, a week or two ago. So, we both added him kind of around, like, the 200 area. But, I mean, it could be Adam Adovino. Uh, we won't, we don't really know who's going to get the saves, but Robertson's, you know, he's done all right in that closer role before. So he seems like the logical fit, but we're, you know, we have some other like closer situations to probably talk about, but we really don't know until the season gets started, how these are going to shake out. But Robertson is sort of, I guess our best guess, right? Yeah. I mean, we're really reading the tea leaves uh, with a lot of closer situations at this time of year. Uh, and you know, a lot of managers don't even believe in having a set closer. And then the ones that do, uh, often don't want to show their hand. So, uh, and then there's also just, you know, on a more pure basis, like these guys are competing for the job, you know? So, uh, you know, the managers might not want to make a decision on that until the day before opening day or something. Like we might get an announcement. I would guess there'll probably be five or so closer situations where we get some kind of an announcement uh, in the few days before opening day. Um, mm-hmm. But, and and the Mets could well be one of those situations. Um, you know, I think, David Robertson and Adam Ottavino are both good pitchers. Like, I don't think either of them is uh, is Edwin Diaz, of course. I mean, he was the number one strikeout pitcher in baseball last season by a, a wide margin. So uh, they're not going to be that. But I think either one of those guys could be top 12 kind of closers uh, if they got the job exclusively. And um, maybe, maybe neither of them get the job exclusively. Maybe it ends up being like a, a two-thirds, one-third kind of situation like we might see with say the giants or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, like I think they'll both be worth rostering and they'll both be decently valuable. So um, if I'm drafting now and I have a draft coming up tomorrow, like I'll probably uh, be happy to take uh, David Robertson um, in, in the, you know, mid tier of, of uh, once you get past like the certain closers, I I think he's definitely in play. And then uh, Adovino is a guy I would look at towards the end of my draft because worst case scenario, you could always just drop him, um, you know, when the season starts, if you find out he's not the closer. Well, you know, the relief pitcher uh, preview, we talked about a lot of these closer situations. We talked about the high end guys. We talked about the sort of low end, you know, murky situations you have in the podcast note to talk about these L.A. situations. I know we were talking a little bit about the Chicago Cubs situation beforehand. Uh, the Diamondbacks, we don't really know what's going to happen there. Mark Melanson, I moved him way down. He's dealing with a shoulder injury. Don't know who's going to pick up, uh, you know, saves for my NL team, the Diamondbacks. But um, mm-hmm. what do you want to what do you want to get into with the with the LA teams? Because you know I'm you know I think Carlos Estevez for the Angels is going to be the guy, even though 
he might not be. So what do you, what do you think is going on there? Yeah, well, a, a lot of this is just kind of um, intel from the beat writers, what they're expecting to happen. So it's not like uh, they're not directly reporting it. Like they're not saying I have a source that tells me within the team that this is what's going to happen. They're just doing they're guessing like the rest of us. But they yeah. that's what you would call a very educated guess because they're on the ground. Uh, close to the team and and watching it closely. So uh, I believe it was the the beat reporter for the Angels for the Athletic um, said that Estevez, because he's really been struggling this spring, um, that uh, the Jimmy Herget might actually uh, be the closer to begin the season. And um, I'll be honest, like I feel like people got. I mean, I was already fading Carlos Estevez before, <laughs> um, so yep. like I, I just feel like people were were buying in a little too much that he had turned some corner. Uh, I just look at his career as a whole and it's not, it's not very impressive. And Jimmy Herkett, actually, I'm, I'd be more interested in him uh, if he's the closer. Cause I, it's not like he's a world beater or anything like that, but um, he was pretty solid last season, you know, I mean, uh, especially with the walk rate, really low walk rate. Uh, his, his ERA was two forty eight, and his, his X ERA was uh, also under three. So, um, the peripherals largely backed up what he did. Um, not a massive strikeout guy necessarily, but um, but he could strike out a batter printing for sure. I mean, he had he had some decent strikeout numbers in the minors. Uh, uh, so um, I actually have a little more confidence in Jimmy Herget uh, than Carlos Estevez, um, and so I'd be I'd be uh, interested to see if he can lock down that job. Well, I know this time last year when we were talking closers. I was I was kind of high on Robert Suarez, who the Padres had signed, and that didn't really work out. You know, he didn't really fit into that role. Uh, it was it feels kind of similar to me, right? Like uh, where it's someone who you know the team brings in, and and sometimes you don't know. Like the general manager may have one thought. You know, the Cubs situation too. Like they brought in Michael Fulmer. I mean, I feel like he might be the guy, uh, but maybe he's just the guy at the beginning. And if he's not good, like we think he probably will won't be, then maybe it's Brandon Hughes or someone else. So. I can see what you're saying about L.A. like that happened. I think Estevez might get the first crack at it, but he might just not be any good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, but he's just he's been struggling so much in the spring. He might be killing the chance to even get that initial audition. He could. Um, yeah. The, you mentioned the Cubs. So, yeah, Brandon Hughes was a guy I was excited about coming into uh, draft season just because he did pitch very well last year. But uh, as you mentioned, they went out and got Michael Fulmer. Uh, they also have Brad Boxberger and – um, it just, it sounds like those two guys are the guys they're looking at, uh, to close and, and they're not looking, they're not, they're not considering, uh, Brandon Hughes for that role. And maybe that's because he's a lefty and maybe it's because, uh, they want to have flexibility in how they use him Cause he honestly is probably their best reliever. Uh, yeah. I, I don't have a lot of faith in Michael Fulmer or Brad Boxberger, uh, as pitchers. And I feel like they're the kind of guys who could potentially, uh, you know, inflame your ratios as you're as you're searching for those those saves. Uh, so uh, I will probably not be drafting either of those guys. I put them in the category with like a Jorge Lopez or Ronaldo Lopez, like these guys who could be the closer, um, but might also just be you know the 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 pain might not be worth the gain, um, so to speak. Yeah. So. Um, so I'm pretty much fading them. Like I was more interested in the Cubs situation when I thought Hughes had a shot, and it doesn't look like that's the case. It sounds right now like Fulmer has has a has an edge over Boxberger, but it's really between those two guys. 
Well, and I mean, Hughes, if you are going to draft a Cubs reliever, he might be just the guy you want to draft anyway, right? Like, we should probably be ranking him highest because he is the best pitcher. You look at the K rate, what he's done in the minors. I mean, he looks like the best pitcher. Maybe he'll end up with 10, 10 saves anyway, just because, like you said, he may get those situations when he's coming up against some lefties and he just gets the ninth because that's just how it happens. So, yep. And, you know, an- that, yeah. another thing people really underrate with these relievers that aren't closers is they can get some wins, you know, and, True. uh, on a on a per inning basis, there are relievers that get more wins than starters. So, uh, especially if you play in like an innings capped league or anything like that, I, I mean, those guys those those innings can be valuable in more ways than one. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Ev, you know, Evan Phillips is someone we talked about going back to LA. Uh, I think I included him in my top twenty or so um, relief pitchers, and you know, some of that is kind of like the same thing with Brandon Hughes. Like, I just think he's a really good pitcher. And if he gets the first crack at the save duties, like I think he could just grab the job. Now maybe they'll just keep him in high leverage situations. Maybe he won't really be the closer when uh, Hudson comes back, or, or maybe they they have Gratterall or someone else fit in. But what do you think is going on with uh, with the Dodgers? Yeah, so that was another little bit of intel. That the intel there was if if the Dodgers settle on a single closer, that it would be either. Uh, Gratterall or Daniel Hudson and I, I had sort of an, uh, in, anticipated that a little bit with Hudson and I know he's starting the year on the IL so that's that's he's not going to close on opening day for them um, but he does he is the one guy that has a lot of closing experience in that bullpen mm-hmm. and he has pitched very well for the most part in recent seasons so um you know, if they do want to settle on a guy, it sounds like those are the two guys they're looking at. I mean, Evan Phillips is a really good pitcher and can have fantasy value without being uh, the the closer. But I don't, I, you know, I, I didn't really see a scenario before where he was going to run away with the job. And now I think it's with this latest intel, I feel even more convinced of that. Um, but again, if it if it remains a committee all season and it could because again the Dodgers are a very analytically driven team and uh, they may not feel compelled uh, to settle on a single closer and if that's the case then Phillips should get his fair share of save opportunities but what you're really drafting him for is those ratios and those strikeouts and that's going to be there regardless yeah I mean Hudson you know with the as far as being the more logical person who's gotten saves he really hasn't Got a, he hasn't had like any season where he's had a ton, right? I'm looking at, you know, he's had he had ten in a season in 2020 with the Nats. Uh, he had five last year with the Dodgers. He had some seasons here and there where he had four or five. He's also had some seasons where his WHIP has been, you know, super high. Uh, it's been much better lately. Um, but yeah, I just think like there isn't there isn't any clear guy, and I think I'm just gonna trust Phillips to, you know, if he doesn't get the closer role again, maybe he gets ten or twelve on the season, but he's just like a really good. Uh, relief pitcher and get those ratios okay I'm, I'm a Daniel Hudson guy I mean I think he's an he's a good example of a pitcher who um, changed his his approach as uh, later in his career and became a better pitcher I mean uh, outside of those 20 innings in the COVID season which again it was the COVID season I don't think you can take a ton from that uh, and it's you know he just ended up giving up a ton of home runs that season and when you only throw 20 innings like you give up a, a bunch of home runs and your ERA is going to be high. Like yeah. 2019, 2021, last year, all three, he was really good. So I think that's the pitcher he is now. Um, and, uh, you know, 
he, he, you're right. I mean, he, he's not been a closer th- throughout his whole career, but he's basically stepped in and bailed out both the Nationals and the Dodgers um, and, and taken over the ninth when they needed him to in the past. So uh, I think he's more than capable of handling that role if called upon. And uh, I think if they were going to call upon any one guy, it, it might be him unless Gratterall just kind of blows the wheels off the whole thing and, and they just decide he's going to be their closer for the next five years. Yep. Well, we've got some other interesting news and notes that, that kind of came through. Uh, Carson Kelly uh, broke his arm. Uh, he's going to be out a while. No timetable yet, but we talked about Gabriel Moreno, who came over from the Blue Jays. I was pretty down on him, you know, because I just figured, well, he's going to split time with Kelly. But now it's like, man, all systems go. I think if you haven't done your draft yet, uh, Moreno is definitely someone you want, you want to target because he'll be in the lineup right away. I mean, really, my only concern was, was the playing time. Uh, he's got a ton of talent. I immediately put him in my top 12 catchers. I don't know if you moved him up that much. Curious to hear what you did. But, like, yeah, you know, his ADP is going to be low. So I think, like, he won't be – like, if you're in the draft room, he might not pop up too high. So I think he's going to be a steal over the next week uh, in drafts. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you had him quite that high. I um, I actually have him ranked a little higher than you in our overall rankings. But uh, it sounds like you might have him – one spot ahead of me in the catcher rankings because I think I have him at um, at thirteen. Uh, okay, yeah, in the ballpark, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I you know, honestly, I I feel like he's yeah, he's the <laughs> exact kind of catcher I like to draft because uh, the price tag is cheap and um, and the upside is very high. You know, uh, it's it's after the first five or six catchers, it's just it gets ugly so fast like yeah why not at least take a shot on a guy who could be a difference maker you know so I have him in a tier with uh Kiba Ruiz who I'm not giving up hope on and Tyler Stevenson because I like both of those guys a lot I feel like they're both pretty good values in a lot of drafts um so he's right there in that group for me and I could I could easily see putting him at the top of that group but um the one thing is you know he he hasn't uh he's he's a really high prospect he hasn't actually um, hit for a lot of power uh, in the minors yet. Um, so I, th- the power could be a, a work in progress uh, for Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, so uh, let's see. Rockies signed Jerickson Profar. Looks like he's going to bat leadoff there and <laughs> half his game in half his games in Coors Field. Uh, Profar was, was pretty solid last year. Um, right now it looks like on Yahoo he only has outfield eligibility. I think he was sort of like a – super utility at one point so he doesn't have that so if the Rockies only play him in the outfield that's only where you're gonna get him um but I mean I don't know like maybe maybe a little bit of a boring pick but I moved him ahead of uh Grichuk, who looks like he might start the season on the IL I think so mm. um yeah I, I I moved him up into like sort of my top 300 uh not too far up but like you know he's draftable in a deep league yeah no I think so for sure I mean the, the thing about playing in cores it's like it's gonna add 30 points to your batting average you know right no no question they really can do that so uh he could hit 270 you know that's possible i think um and last year he had uh 15 home runs and five steals uh so and if he's and 82 runs last year if he's going to be hitting leadoff for the rockies like if he actually can hold that job like he'll probably score at least 82 runs again so uh he could be you know he could repeat basically the numbers he did last year with a higher batting average um so yeah i think he's an interesting 
interesting late in late in the draft uh, stab, I guess you could say at this point. Yeah. Well, uh, the other one we have here in our no- news and notes is Vaughn Grissom, uh, option to AAA. Now we did our second base podcast what like a month ago now yeah. it feels like so you know i know you were pretty high on him i was pretty high on him uh just really excited about what he could do and uh, you know i i don't want to just like lose that excitement because i do feel like you know they were playing it with shortstop in spring training it's very possible that like he's just down for like a month and comes up and maybe he has second base and shortstop eligibility which would be kind of nice and uh, I, I still think he could be a really good player so what are your thoughts on vaughn grissom uh, how far did you move him down? You know, kind of what are your what are your 2023 thoughts on him now? Yeah, well, I had to move him down a lot because I was I was really in on him. Like I had him yeah. inside. I might have had him inside my top 80 players overall. So wow, definitely inside my top 100. So I was I was very high on on Grissom uh, coming into the season, but uh, now I I still believe in the player. I still think he's a great player for keeper leagues like I think he's going to mm-hmm. be a, a very good uh player in the long run as far as this season and these redraft formats like I, I moved him down to uh, uh, 193 so I've got him kind of grouped with guys like uh Riley Green and Ezekiel Tovar and Oswald Peraza guys who like could be awesome or could also spend a big chunk of the season in the minors so I, I yeah. feel like he's got uh, sort of a lot of uh, a wide range of possibilities at this point. I I don't believe in Orlando Arcia as an answer for the Braves though. So uh, they don't they don't really have a better option on their roster. I mean Grissom was hitting great this spring. It's just the question of his defense. Like can he can he cut it as a everyday shortstop? And uh, I guess he'll have to prove that he can do that um, in AAA. But I I think I, I I would agree. I think the most likely scenario is he is back. Uh, with the Braves uh, within a month or so. Yeah, and I I moved him down, same area, like around 200. Uh, I didn't want to move him down too far, uh, but he's down there with second baseman for me, like uh, Gene Segura, who's kind of a safe pick, uh, C.J. Abrams, who I like a lot, uh, and we can maybe we can get into some of our guys who we like, you know, versus ECR, because C.J. Abrams is someone at second base that, like, I like a lot more than <laughs> ECR, unless there's any other... Uh, news and notes you want to get into if no let's uh let's let's jump into into the uh into the players we love sure so okay so you want to go around the horn with this yeah we can i mean we can start at catcher we can kind of go in the same order we did our position previews if you want sure okay so so who's a catcher that you uh are a lot higher on than the uh expert consensus over at fantasy press well, we already talked about uh, Moreno, and I see that you have him at 13. I bumped him up to 11. I didn't have that in, in my show note <laughs> ahead of time. So, uh, I mean, but yeah, I think he's just going to be a great value. Uh, the other guy that I noted, I have like four spots higher than ECR, is Eric Haas, you know, with the Tigers. I have him at 17, ECR 21. I just think, like, looking at the – now, I'm looking at roster resource, and I don't even know if he's going to be in the starting lineup. I mean, so this is – maybe that's why ECR is down on him, but – I think he'll play a lot of outfield. Uh, I think he could play 130, 40 games, which, you know, for a catcher, in quotation marks, is not bad. And, you know, he's shown some pop. And I just think, like, he looks like a player who's improving to me and has been good. He's he's young-ish. And, uh, like, when after some of the, like you said, like, catcher just kind of gets rough quick. And when I start looking at guys who have a little bit of upside, I look at him as, like, the poor man's Dalton Varsho, who's playing outfield and can, I mean, he's not going to steal bases like Varsho, but... I just think like you're getting him a lot later and uh, I might I might draft him in a league where he's just like my starting catcher and see how April goes 
you know, something like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of people do play in two catcher leagues. I'm not sure why, but they do. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I've always liked Haas as a, as a uh, power, uh, a cheap source of power uh, in deeper leagues. Um, yep. So in addition to Moreno, I have a couple guys uh, that I do like uh, more than consensus. Uh, at, as far as a high-end guy, it's Alejandro Kirk, who I was in on big last season, and I'm pretty – far in on him again this year i've got him as my fourth ranked catcher the ecr's got him at seven so that's only a three spot difference but when you're that high in the rankings that's a big difference so i've got him ahead of yeah. salvador perez and adley rushman um and uh yeah i mean I, I think uh and and wilson Contreras as well um so you know for me the thing about alejandro kirk is i still believe that there's room for growth in his power and He's a great contact hitter. I mean, his strikeout rate last year was 10.7%, which mm. is really, really low. I mean, that's, uh, that is that is an excellent, excellent mark. So he hit 285 last year, and uh, I, I pretty much called that, as you'll recall, because the year before he hit oh, 242 yeah. with a similarly low strikeout rate. And I said, he's due for a lot of positive batting average regression, and he got that positive batting average regression last year. So I think he can hold those gains. Um, and then it's just a question of the home runs. I mean, he hit 14 last year in 139 games. I think he can get over 20. I really do. And if he does that, no catcher steals bases. So don't worry about that. But uh, this is going to be a good Blue Jays lineup. If he hits 280 with 20 home runs, um, that's, I mean, that's going to be top five catcher numbers easily, I think. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't have him as high as Sal Perez or Adley Rutschman, but I think you know you're taking a stance there, putting them over those guys for sure. But yeah, more power to you. You got you gotta you gotta have your guys, and when you're drafting, you gotta take your guys. And uh, if that Kirk for two years in a row is definitely your guy. <laughs> yeah. And then the other guy I mentioned this on the catcher preview. Like if you're looking a little deeper, Christian Vasquez with the Twins. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he just always finds a way to sneak into the top 12 catchers. And uh, I could see him doing it again this year. And he's not being drafted nearly that high. He's the 19th catcher in the ECR. I've got him at 14. So right there with Gabriel Moreno. Yeah, and and looking at guys that we're, we're low on for catchers uh, versus ECR, we're both uh, low on Travis Darno. Like, this is someone who's, you know, he's had really hit for a really good average. He was really good in the Braves lineup uh, last year. But, you know, they got Sean Murphy. And I know I see you're you're slightly down on Sean, Sean Murphy, uh, maybe because there will be a little bit of a platoon and he's coming over. But like, yeah, I mean the fact is, Darno, like, I guess he'll I guess he'll DH some. But I know you're really high on like Eddie Rosario and Marcelo Zuna. So like, there's not going to be playing time for everyone. And I think Darno might just have a hard time even playing like a hundred games. I and mean, some of those might just be pinch hitting. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I you know I do like still have him ranked higher than. <laughs> a lot of starting catchers because there are some really, really terrible starting catchers, <laughs> but, yeah. um, but yeah, I mean, I don't think he's, I don't, I don't think we can really look at him as, as a, uh, a catcher you would want to be starting. So like he shouldn't be the 15th catcher. I mean, that's, that's borderline starting catcher uh, in, in standard fantasy leagues. And I don't, I don't yeah. think you can have a backup uh, catcher uh, who's not going to be regularly DHing in that, <laughs> in that uh, role. Right, and if you're in a two-catcher league like you were talking about earlier, maybe it's fine to have someone like him because when he does play, he'll probably put up good ner- good numbers and he's not going to hurt your average and things like that. Yep, yep. 
then just a couple other guys for me. You mentioned Sean Murphy. I mean, I don't hate him. I've got him at 11. ECR's got him at 8. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely nice to go from the A's to the Braves, but I don't think that that's going to, like, magically change who he is as a player, you know? Like... Yeah, um, I, he's a, you know he had 250 last year and that was a career best. I mean <laughs> he's a 236 career hitter. He's never had a 20 home run season, uh, and he played 148 games last year and only hit 18 home runs. So I know I was just you know saying Alejandro Kirk can can hit more than his 14 he hit last year, but Alejandro Kirk is entering his age 24 season. You know Sean Murphy's entering his age 28 season. I feel like this is kind of who Sean Murphy is and he'll be better because he's in the Braves lineup. Like his counting stats will be better. Um, and getting out of Oakland should probably add a, a few home runs, two or three home runs. But um, I, I just don't see like, whereas Kirk can, you know, hit for a high average and power. I, I don't see that possibility for, for Murphy. I just think he's not going to hit for a high average. Um, and the power is, you know, it's just kind of meh. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like you could you could probably say the similar thing. I see you have Cal Raleigh. You're you're down on him a little bit too. I mean, he batted two eleven last year. He did hit twenty seven home runs, but all the projections have him regressing slightly. Uh, I mean, I think this is probably I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing it's like you can get like a Mike Zunino or someone like at like a hundred two hundred picks later versus Cal Raleigh. So don't pay for the season, right? That yeah. he just had. Yeah, or you know, I, I basically I just um. It's sort of like what I talk about with these closers, like, you know, uh, or starting pitchers too. First rule is do no harm, you know, like mm-hmm. I want guys, I'd rather have my catcher just chip in a little bit than like kill me in batting average. You know, I, like I don't, yeah. wa- I don't want to sacrifice um, for that power from Cal Raleigh because he is going to kill your batting average. And I would rather draft these guys like Kiba Ruiz, Tyler Stevenson, Christian Vasquez, uh, G- Gabriel Moreno, guys who like, um, may not hit 20 home runs, but will hit for a decent batting average, especially for a catcher, and uh, pile up those counting stats in kind of a sneaky way. You know, I feel like people see 25 home runs from a catcher and they they drool, but like it, it, if if it's if he's striking out every time he doesn't homer, he's not going to have <laughs> a lot of RBIs. He's not going to have a lot of runs. He's going to have a terrible batting average. So. Um, I, I just, for me, like, I don't think he should be ranked as a starting catcher in a 12 team league. Like I would rather, uh, aim for a younger player with more like, uh, maybe not a younger player, but a guy with more like a upside to be an across the board contributor, I guess I should say. Okay. Well, that's probably enough catchers. Uh, I want to, I want to get into first base and give you someone I'm really high on this year. And that's Rowdy Telez. Uh, <laughs> I was, I, I was, did a quick write up for fantasy pros. I think they'll probably put it in an article in the next day or so, but he was my kind of league winner because uh, he's being drafted outside of the top 150 overall players. Um, I was looking at Rasball player Raider earlier. They had him as a top 100 player last year, and I'm just looking at his numbers. I mean, he he is coming off career highs, you know, 35 homers, 89 RBIs, 67 runs. His first year in Milwaukee, he played 153 games, but it was like his first chance at being like an everyday player. And you know, unless they unless they bring Luke Voigt up and maybe platoon him a little bit, which I don't know. I just think Telez is going to be an everyday player. He's going to bat third or fourth in that lineup. Uh, it's a it's a great ballpark for lefties hitting home runs. It's like maybe top ten uh, is you know in Milwaukee there where he plays half his games. And I just think with the with the shift rules changing, like you know, there's certain guys like him and Corey Seager and some of these lefties where 
you know, that 219 average last year looks rough, but his XBA was like 250, 260 the last couple of years. I really think if he brings that average up to like 260 or even better, like you're basically getting Jose Abreu like 100 picks later. So like I think Rowdy Telez, I just love him. I have him at my... I think I have him in, I want, I need to get him in my top 10. I have him in 11. He's ECR 15, but I, I might move him up to like nine or 10 and I'm just, I'm just trying to draft him everywhere. Yeah. Well, I actually have him higher than you then in terms of my first base rankings, because I've got him at nine. Um, nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I, you have him a little ahead of me in our overall rankings though. So we're both very high on him. That's, that's the bottom yeah. line. I don't, I don't know much to add from what you said about him. I, I, I feel like in leagues where I'm not getting one of those top five, or six, you know, I love Vinny Pasquantino, but uh, yeah. if I'm not getting one of those top six first basemen, uh, I'm either going for CJ Crone or Rowdy Telez as much as possible. Um, now, if there's any sort of a keeper aspect to the league, um, I might change my tune a little bit, and that's where I'm looking at Jose Miranda uh, or another guy. I've really started moving up my rankings a lot, Miguel Vargas of the Dodgers. Mm-hmm. Um, both of these guys have just put up huge numbers in the minor leagues. They're still very young. Uh, you know, Miranda, I get, is higher in, in, in people's estimation because he got uh, more time last season than Vargas, and he had more success than Vargas. But uh, they're both very young players who don't have a ton uh, of major league experience, but um, they're both slated to be everyday players this year. And you just look at what they did in the minors, and uh, it's it's – it's mouthwatering. I mean, Vargas also can add speed and he's going to add second base eligibility as well. So yep. uh, there's a lot to like with him. Um, he's a guy I have 10 spots higher uh, than the expert consensus. And I could see going even higher than that. Okay. I'm, I might have to bump Vargas up a little bit. I'm looking at his ADP right now, overall 241 on fantasy pros ECR. So he's a guy that you definitely want to like get in your queue when you're getting toward the late rounds and don't let it get too, too late. Cause yeah, the second base eligibility is, a, is, is big. Uh, second base, you know, with Altuve getting hurt and just, you know, we did that position and I feel like there's, it's top heavy, like a lot of those infield positions. So Vargas getting that uh, quickly, uh, especially like in Yahoo leagues will be nice. Yep. Yep. Uh, so then guys were fading at first base. Uh, we're both fading Andrew Vaughn. Why don't you uh, tell me why you are fading Andrew Vaughn? Yeah, I mean, when we did first base preview, and, you know, he has outfield eligibility too, which which is nice. Uh, ECR is 13. I'm at 17. Honestly, and that's first base. I probably have him much lower if you're looking at our outfield rankings uh, versus like the outfield ECR. I just, it, I'm just not getting excited about Andrew Vaughn. Like when I look at him, I look at his new teammate Andrew or Andrew Benintendi, and I just, I see like these players come up that people get excited about, and they're good players. It's like a good, a better real life player than fantasy, and that's kind of I think what it comes down to. Andrew Vaughn, I think he'll be a good player. I just think like it might not translate to fantasy. You know, he's not going to hit 30 home runs. He's, I don't think he'll bat 300. Uh, but, you know, that that's kind of what I see with Andrew Vaughn. You're just biased against people named Andrew. I see how it is. Yeah, it's mostly the Andrew thing, yeah. <laughs> it's actually funny you say that because both Andrew Benintendi and Andrew Vaughn, you know, I play in this keeper league I talk about all the time, and they were yeah. both players that I uh, rostered when they were coming up, and I had, I had high hopes for both of them that they would turn into fantasy stars and uh, I uh, I gave up those hopes relatively quickly by uh, watching <laughs> both of them play a lot. You know, I I watched a lot of their games, and um, I I agree. I mean, Andrew Vaughn just he uh, he's a he has a good approach at the plate. He's a good uh, major league baseball player, but 
it just doesn't translate. Like it's just, he's an accumulator, you know. That's like I moved him up in the fantasy pros rankings because he'll probably play every almost every day, and yeah. you know pile up the at bats. But uh, he's not going to give you that category juice in in the power or the speed, and like you said, probably not in the batting average either. Um, I mean a zero a zero at speed, but like I will say the projections like I'm looking at his FanGraphs page have him anywhere between 19 and 29 home runs, which is a huge difference. Yeah. Um, I just don't see the 29 home runs, personally. No, I mean, you just watch the way he hits. It doesn't seem like he hits the ball very hard, honestly. I'd have to look yeah. at his stack ass page, but that's that's my impression. Um, then just some other guys I'm fading. Like, uh, I don't hate these guys, but uh, Nathaniel Lowe, like, I, I just I talked about on the first base show. I feel like last year was just kind of a best-case scenario for him. And, yeah. like, so, like, people are kind of drafting him at his ceiling, you know? Um, yep. So I'll take guys like Crone and, and uh, Telez over over him for sure, uh, and then you know I, I don't I don't hate these guys, but like um, Christian Walker and Reese Hoskins, like we, they're just kind of blah, you know. We just kind of know what <laughs> yeah. they are, and I feel like Crone and Telez are like better versions of it. So that's why I uh, I, I think the rankings uh, in the ECR have that a little backwards. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I have, I do have Hoskins and, uh, it looks like I have Hoskins and Walker like 20 or 30 spots higher than you in the overall. But uh, yeah, it's <laughs> when you're in the draft room, those are guys where I'm just kind of like, uh, I, I, you know, either I already have a first baseman or I'll just wait longer and draft other positions. I'll draft some more starting pitchers. Those are the kind of names where I'm just sort of, I probably pass them over. I'm not excited to draft them either. Yeah. I just feel like Crone has more batting average upside than those guys. And, uh, Telez has maybe more power uh, potential than them, so yeah, um, yeah. I just I, I, they're all similar. Like they they probably all belong in a similar tier for me. But I would I would take Crone and Telez first, and ADP and uh, expert consensus rankings certainly don't reflect either reflect uh, that at all. All right, what's the next position here? We get into is it second, second? base? Yeah, it's if it's second, it's weird. My 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 show note has Juan Yepes, but I'm like, there's no way he's second base eligible. <laughs> <laughs> I must have I must have jotted down the wrong name. So maybe you start, and I'll try to figure out who the heck I was talking about here. Okay, fair enough. Um, <laughs> well, I have a few options here. Um, so in terms of above consensus, uh, Max Muncy is one. I've got him at sixth among second basemen now that uh, uh, and. I, you know, ECR's got him at nine. Um, uh, you know, I just, I feel like Max Muncy had this coming back from the elbow surgery. Like it, it really affected him last season and he had a terrible start to the season. And then he was himself down the stretch and the Max Muncy that we've seen um, throughout the course of his career is a really valuable player. I mean, um, just, he, you know, uh, I'm trying to remember who he reminds me of. Uh, you know who it was? This is a throwback. Dan Ugla. You remember him? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Like definitely. second baseman that can hit 30 home runs. You know, that's like, <laughs> yeah. they, those don't grow on trees. So, and being in that Dodger lineup too, tons of run scoring opportunities. So I, I feel like Muncy's just kind of back to what he was before the injury. Um, and that makes him pretty appealing. And then Colton Wong, you know, nobody ever wants to draft Colton Wong, but like he, he's really good on a per game basis. Like he's not going to play the whole season, uh, but when he's in the lineup, he's going to be productive and uh you know especially in you know if you if you punt second base or you just want a, a backup like towards the end of your draft like i think he's a solid player yeah well uh i initially was a little bit lower on colton wong i feel like i probably should move him up a little bit roster resource has him batting 
leadoff, like you said, he might not play every day, but Dylan Moore, who I thought, oh, well, he'll platoon with Dylan Moore a bit, but he's he's starting the season on the IL. He has a grade one oblique strain. So that might at least help Wong. And, you know, these oblique strains, like, guys can have a hard time kind of coming back from that. You never want to start <laughs> the season with an injury. So maybe Wong will start off hot and just sort of be the everyday uh, leadoff hitter for the Mariners, which, which would be nice. Yeah, and the other thing about Dylan Moore is he stinks. So <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there's that. Yeah. But you look at Wong, I mean, he had 285 with 11 homers and 24 steals in 148 yeah. games in 2019. 272 with 14 homers, 12 steals in 116 games 2021. Even last year, the batting average was down a little bit, but 15 homers and 17 steals. I mean, like in a 5x5 five five league, that's that's useful. And, I mean, that was only in 134 games. So you fill in somebody else for, you know, 30 games, and you're getting a 2020 season there. Yeah. Well, I don't know what I was doing with this Juan Yepes note, but I will just say that at second base uh, and even at shortstop, C.J. Abrams, who I was mentioning when we were sort of getting into the news and notes, I'm just really high on him. Uh, like I said, I have I would draft him over like a Vaughn Grissom, I think at this point, because he's gonna he's gonna play every day. And you know he was a top prospect. You know came over in a trade. Uh, I guess it was a couple years ago at this point, or maybe it was mid last year. I can't remember the the, the Nats and Dodgers with their trades. Um, I think the thing with Abrams is, you know, he's 22 years old. Like he's still the the, the potential's there. He could, you know, he could still 30 bases. He could hit for average. Uh, a little bit of power. I think. The bad thing is right now, like he's he's probably gonna bat toward the bottom of the lineup, but like that lineup's not good. He could end up batting leadoff, you know, <laughs> by May. So I just like the upside here, and this is like you can get him late in drafts. Uh, he's my number seventeen second baseman, but he's the ECR twenty seven, so I've got him ten spots higher. And I just think he's one of those guys who I'll put in my queue and make sure he doesn't fall too far. And I, I just like having that. I like having the multiple eligibility with some of these guys too. Yeah, for sure. I, I do have him lower in, on fantasy pros just because I, I do think there's a scenario where they could decide th- to send him back down if he struggles. Uh, um, yeah. But in in a standard league in terms of how to draft, like I would definitely be targeting him. I have him ranked right around the same vicinity as you, right around the 200th overall player. Um, I just think uh, there is a ton of upside, like you said, uh, just a, a terrific prospect. And he has got a lot of speed, so – um, you know, that's a way I think he can, he can contribute right away. Well, I see you have Andres Jimenez on here. Like you talked about him earlier. Uh, you, you're all in on, on, uh, Alejandro Kirk, Andres Jimenez again, back to back years. I mean, you could say the same for Jimenez that like you're paying for last year, but you must think he's just still trajectory going up, right? Well, no, I mean, that's the thing, man. I called these guys last year and I was right. And now people are still not quite giving them their due I mean maybe more you know less so with Kirk like I think people realize he's I mean the the bar is lower at catcher too so like people realize Kirk is is a starting catcher uh, to draft Um, but they don't they still have him a little too low like I said but but Jimenez I I feel like people still are not really buying this you know I think that um, I I think that I mean he's not going to hit 297 again that that much I'll agree with but um he went 17 homers, 20 steals last year in 146 games. Like, uh, and he still was, he was 23 years old when he did that. And it was his first yeah. time being an everyday major league player. I mean, that's like pretty darn good. I mean, it, I feel like if he had been like more of a prospect uh, coming up um, and he, he wasn't like a slouch. I mean, he was still a top 100 guy, but he wasn't like, you know, a Bobby Witt Jr. type of hyped prospect or anything like that, you know? So 
I think for that reason, people are like expecting him to regress um, and, and just think that like, I don't know. I don't know what the argument is. Like, is the argument that this guy had the best season of his career as, as in his first full season at 23 years old? Like, I have a hard time <laughs> believing that. I think he, he could yeah. get better, you know? Like, so the batting average could regress, but maybe the speed goes up. Maybe the power comes up, you know? Um, so I feel like he's a very dynamic player, and uh, he's got dual second base and shortstop eligibility. I know shortstop is uh, is pretty deep, you know, so that may not help you that much, but uh, second base is not deep. And I think he's, like, he's in this tier for me um, that – is uh, a pretty a pretty shallow tier. I mean, like I have him with Jazz Chisholm, and really mm. after that, I, I'd be going for Altuve, and then it's a, you know kind of a big drop off. So I, I love Andres Jimenez. Okay, well, uh, if we want to look at a couple of second basemen, maybe we don't like uh, Cattell Marte for me. ECR fifteen. I have him at twenty three. I, I just you know we talked about we talked about him in uh, the second second base pod. He hit thirty two home runs in twenty nineteen. 10 stolen bases, three, you know, batted 329. I mean, he did hit 318 in 2021. I mean, like he's had he's had like some okay <laughs> seasons in at bats. He's dealt with a lot of injuries. I just I don't I don't see like I feel like you're paying for like a guy who had a really good season like 4 years ago and then has been injury prone. So, I just I can't get down with the number 15 second baseman. Uh, I just there's just other guys I like better. Yeah, yeah. He's another guy I have ranked higher in fantasy pros than I do in our rankings just because I do think he's an accumulator. But, yeah, like you said, like uh, that 2019 season just screams outlier. Um, yeah. Jorge Polanco, I'm I'm below consensus, I, but I'm guessing other people are going to move him down now that uh, it looks like he's going to begin the season on the IL. Uh, Jeff McNeil, another guy I talked about before, just – you know, like I just don't want to draft Jeff McNeil. I know he could hit 330, but if he hits 270, he's completely worthless. <laughs> you know, like yeah. batting average just is. Uh, there's a lot of noise in batting average. You know, like so it can vary a lot from year to year. And if if that's the only thing that a guy provides, uh, it's it's really risky. Like they're a really risky player. You know, you just can't count on 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 them being worth uh, rostering, let alone starting. Yeah, well, it looks like we both have a couple similar names here with third baseman that we like. Uh, Josh Young uh, for the Rangers, uh, you know, he's he's having a decent spring. Uh, Jordan Walker, you know, the really phenom uh, prospect. You know, if he comes up with the Cardinals and breaks camp, I mean, I feel like we're not even high enough maybe on Jordan Walker. Just with he could be like a five-tool guy. He could really be this year's Julio Rodriguez, to be honest. And I just think, like, I feel like I can't be high enough on Walker. And not only that... Like not only is he going to be third base, but he should be outfield eligible, which it's you know just another reason to kind of to like him. But uh, I don't know which one of these guys you want to get into. You want to get into to Young? We've already talked about him a bit on third base, but we yeah. both like him here. Yeah, well, I mean he's had a really nice spring, so that's encouraging because uh, the thing about Josh Young is uh, he he's another guy that had an injury to sort of you know derail his his breakthrough. I mean he had mm-hmm. uh, shoulder surgery that basically ruined his his 2022 season i mean he did make it back late in the year and then looked overmatched like as a rookie but he was coming off shoulder surgery i mean that's a that's a big deal to get your timing back to get your swing back uh you know i think he really benefited from having that off season um after you know because 
you have the surgery, then you rush back to get back as soon as you possibly can to get into a lineup. Uh, and then finally you get an off season where you can actually take it easy and let your body fully recover, you know? So yeah. I think he's fully healthy now. He showed both power and batting average upside in the minors. And he's, like I said, swinging a hot bat this spring. He's going to play every day for the Rangers. So I really like Josh Young. And uh, uh, same same thing with Jordan Walker. I mean, like you said, I mean, he's just got immense potential. It's really just a question of uh, whether he uh, breaks camp uh, with the team or not. And with third base, the position, I mean, just like some of the other infield, like we said, there's there's like five or six guys uh, that you really want sort of near the top, maybe like the first three or four rounds. And then it just kind of gets a little bit rough. There's your Alex Bregman's, Gunnar Henderson's. And then once you get to like Muncie and Miranda, guys who you mentioned, why not take Young as well? Like former first round pick, like maybe the power is is there and like he figures things out, like you said, after a, a nice healthy offseason. So like I just I rank him ahead of all these other guys who are just like boring and, you know, just like, I don't know, the Ty Francis of the world, you know. Alec I know, you, I know Yeah, you, exactly. Yeah. I know you don't like Matt Chapman. <laughs> We're both a little bit down on him. I'm way down on him. <laughs> yeah, I knew you would be, but like, I'm. I was surprised. I'm ECR is ten on Matt Chapman. Uh, I have him as the fifteenth, my fifteenth ranked third baseman. Uh, where is he for you? Well, I've got him at two thirty-five overall. Um, <laughs> God, let me see, Matt Chapman. Where do I? Have? I've got him at twentieth at third base. Yeah, so ten spots behind consensus. Yeah. Yep, I've never understood the Matt Chapman love. I really, I don't get it. Yeah. All right. Uh, anyone else at third base you want to talk about? Well, so I like Anthony Rendon, and you have Anthony Rendon <laughs> as a fade this year. So this is one we actually, uh, Barton and I see eye to eye on a lot of things, but um, <laughs> we do not see eye to eye on Anthony Rendon this year. So maybe if we are going to have any sort of a bet this season this would be the, the logical place to do it we would just have to figure out the parameters of it <laughs> i know because the param that's right because the parameters would need to be like okay he has to at least play 80 games or something because th- that's that's really why i'm out on anthony rendon you know i gave him a mulligan and ranked him as a top 12 uh fantasy third baseman when we were talking about third baseman last year and then he kind of screwed me you know so like yeah. i just i just don't trust the health anymore so you know, he is healthy now, and I think there's reason to get excited about an Anthony Rendon. We've seen him have some great seasons. I mean, he's a really good hitter. I, I just I just worry that, like, you know, we just won't get many games out of him. That's all. That's fair. But he's healthy now. He's do, he's hitting well. He's hitting over 400 this spring. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this is, again, like, he's going to be good on a per-game basis, I think. And that's that's what this really comes down to. Um you know, it's it's in a range of third basemen where, like, you know, I, I don't I don't love the alternatives. You know what I mean? Like, um, I, I mean, I'd take Josh Young ahead of him, but like, um, you know, it's, you start to get to guys like Matt Chapman who have like obvious flaws, or guys like Alec Bohm and Ty France who are just boring accumulators. And like, I'll take yeah. my chances on an Anthony Rendon or Justin Turner for that matter. Uh, and hope that they can be really effective on a per game basis, and then when they go on the IL, then then I'll turn to a boring accumulator to fill in. I was just about to say I do, I do have Justin Turner ranked uh, well ahead of Anthony Rendon. Rendon. I mean, I, I would he just hasn't had the same injury history. But you're right. Like in a draft, I'm fine if you want to take Rendon ahead of Boom. You didn't mention like a Cabrian Hayes, but same thing. Like these are guys who are going to probably play every day, but just might not really do a whole lot for your team. So unless you're in a points league or something, I'm okay with it. I just, 
yeah, the the health, you know, that just scares me off. That's all. Sure, but I mean, Justin Turner, he has had plenty of injuries too. He just has, you know, what's happened with him in Durham the last three years has been extreme. But I, I you know, yeah. I don't, I don't think you can really say like, oh, he's only going to play fifty games. You know, that's that's what's happened. Maybe that's recently, the bet. But what's that? Maybe that's the bet. Maybe right. that's the bet. That could be <laughs> over the bet. Under over under games. on games. There we go. <laughs> All right, let's move on to um, to where, where are we at next? Uh, outfield. I don't know. Did we do? Did we cover shortstop? I oh. think. Well, we kind of did a little bit. We yeah, we covered some dual eligible guys, I guess. Sure, we can do outfield. Okay. So who who do you, who do you have in outfield then? Uh, well, we already talked about Bryce Harper a little bit. You know, ECR forty nine. He's my thirty fifth ranked outfielder. We kind of just talked about that at the top of the show. So I would, you know, I wouldn't wait too long on him. Uh, looks like I also have Harrison Bader a few spots higher. Yeah, I have him at forty two. ECR fifty five. You know, like. I, we talk about health like this is this is a guy who hasn't been able to stay healthy but it, he's still young enough he's in the the yankee lineup you know hitting in that park uh he, he looked good sort of toward the end of the season when he came over so it's just someone who again once you once you get past like the top 35 or 40 outfielders like when we did that show and talked about guys i mean we we went through rapid fire and talked about like 70 <laughs> outfielders toward the bottom and it's like pick your you know pick your poison or whatever like i just I like his upside. I think he's, you know, he's a good good player, and if he can stay healthy and put it all together, I just I like what he could do. Sure. Um, so then for me, you know, Chris Bryant, uh, I've got him at uh, twenty two. ECR's got him at thirty. Uh, I'm I'm going back to the well on Chris Bryant, and maybe you want to say the same thing about him that you would about Anthony Rendon. I don't know, but um, Chris Bryant is a very good player when healthy, and. I still think he's going to get a big boost from being in Colorado. Last year, he hit 306. He just only played in 42 games. But uh, if he plays a full season with the Rockies or even, you know, projection systems have him playing around 125, 130 games. Even if he plays that, uh, you just look at what he can do in those games. It's going to be really good. And then yeah. and then you just find a fill-in for a month, you know? Big deal. Like, I mean, the projection systems all have him hitting around 280 with 20 homers and 5 to, you know, 5 to 7 steals, like with good run and RBI production too. I mean, like that's really valuable. I like I think he's going to be a top 100 kind of a player um on a per game basis like certainly. Um but like Maybe even all season, you know. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think Chris Bryant's a great a great value. I'm going back to the well. Uh, Ahmad yeah, Rosario. I, oh, sorry, you want to say something about yeah, Bryant? Yeah, I was just gonna say like I'm not gonna argue with him uh, with you on Bryant the same way <laughs> with Rendon. Like I think with Rendon, like you said, it's it's been the last couple years, and I think with Bryant, it was really just last year. He signed a big contract. Uh, you know, we were we both got excited when he got went to Colorado last year, and then of course the injury. But yeah, I hope it doesn't. You know, I hope what happened to Rendon the last couple seasons doesn't happen to Bryant. So, yeah, I like betting on a bounce back, and now you're getting the discount. So I won't argue with you there. Okay, good. Uh, Ahmad Rosario, uh, I've got him at 25. ECR is at 41. Uh, like, he's he's an accumulator, but, I mean, he's going to accumulate some steals and some, and some home runs. So uh, he's kind of a, a sneaky five-category contributor. You know, like he doesn't he doesn't put up huge numbers – anywhere um but he chips in everywhere and it ends up being 
uh, better than some of its parts, I guess you could hmm. say. So, um, so like I think he's just an underrated player because of the type of stats he gives you. And then um, I, I've talked about these Braves guys, uh, Marcelo Zuna and Eddie Rosario. <laughs> like I'm yeah. just way above consensus on both of these guys. Uh, Marcelo Zuna, ECR has him at 81. I've got him at 38. <laughs> and then Eddie Rosario, <laughs> ECR has him at 116, and I have him at 42. 116 among outfielders, <laughs> mind you, not not just among <laughs> all players. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, these, these guys have both had great uh, seasons in the past, and they've had, for one reason or another, uh, their careers go uh, off the plank <laughs> in the last, last year or two. But they're, they're not that old, um, and... You know, Ozuna had all the off the field stuff. Um, and then, you know, last year he just, his batting average just completely tanked, but his strikeout rate wasn't really that much higher than it had been in the past. And, um, you know, he, uh, it has been two bad years in a row, I should say, for him. But in 2021, it was, it was only 208 plate appearances. So that was a pretty brief period of time. Um, I mean, the power was still there last year, 23 home runs in 124 games. So that's like a 30 home run pace. Uh, he, hit, he hit 338 as recently as 2020 with 18 home runs in 60 games. Like he was basically the best player in fantasy that year. So that's not that long ago. Uh, he's going to benefit from the same Braves lineup that is, uh, you know, the reason people are loving Sean Murphy, for example, <laughs> or sure. Matt Olson, yeah. you know, and um, I, I, so I think, uh, I think Ozuna can definitely have a bounce back now that he's got, he's got all those issues off, uh, you know, behind him. And I understand if you don't want to draft him for those reasons, that's, that's fine. But like from a numbers perspective, I think he's going to be good. And then Rosario, same kind of thing. Like he had a, a vision issue. Um, th- so, you know, I think that's been addressed, uh, with, with, uh, laser surgery. Um, so, uh, that could that could be what he needs for a uh, a bounce back. Um, and uh, he he's he was a really good player for a long time. Like he was one of those guys that was kind of like flew under the radar a little bit. Was but like always finished as a top twenty outfielder. Absolutely, I know. I remember talking about Eddie Rosario this time last year, and I, I really liked him. And just yeah, I've always liked Eddie Rosario. Like I'd love to see a bounce back for him. Um, real quick, back to Ahmed Rosario though. The other Rosario, I just um, love Rosario. So I guess what can you I do. Say? I, I was I was a little bit surprised to see you have Ahmed Rosario that high just because I don't remember us really talking about him that much when we talked about outfielders or shortstops, like at least not like in that light. And I was gonna go down to like guys we're low on versus ECR, and I see we're both low on Christian Yelich uh, and even Stephen Kwan, and I'm thinking, well, Kwan and Rosario are kind of similar players, except for you know Rosario with a little bit more power. Kwan only six home runs, but like the higher average. Uh, about the same amount like of stolen bases last year. Uh, maybe maybe you think Rosario has a little more track record, a little more power, but I, I think it's interesting that we're both fading Quan and yet you have Rosario that high. So you don't have to like explain yourself, but you know it's just it, it was curious to me. Um, well, yeah, I mean, I do think Rosario is more proven. Um, let me pull up their their numbers now. I want to compare this more closely. <laughs> I don't really believe in Quan as a base stealer. I think is part of it. Um, okay, like. I don't know, man. I like, I feel like he could easily turn into like one of these empty batting average guys, you know, like, right. That's if sort the of stolen bases. Aren't there at all. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and the power is less than, I mean, it, yeah. Rosario is not a big power guy, but Quan is, is even less. He like, he might not get double digit home runs, you know? Yeah. Um, so, 
I, I understand the argument. Um, th- like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like I could see them being somewhat similarly uh, rated. Um, I just like, you know, again, Quan 19 steals last year, that kind of came out of nowhere, you know, like, I mean, he, he didn't look like a, a big base dealer before. I mean, he had, he had six deals in 2021 in, uh, in, uh, 77 games so like maybe he would have got to 10 or 12 you know but certainly not closer to 20 I think like I think uh we expect most guys to steal more bases this year with the new rules like he's a guy Mm -hmm. I actually expect to steal fewer bases yep and then Christian Yelich like again these are Yelich and Quan both are being drafted around the 25th outfielder Uh, I have them ranked sort of around like the 40th outfielder so I mean, I'm not getting either either of these guys. Yelich, I just think like, while I love his teammate Rowdy Tellez, I just think Yelich like is just so far removed from being like that MVP level. Uh, I just I just don't know what you're getting. You might be getting just low batting average. I don't think you're even getting that many home runs anymore. Uh, he just hasn't looked like the same player. Uh, and so like, I don't know if it's if it's like lingering, you know, kind of chronic injuries with him. I don't know what's going on, but I just don't expect him. You know, I'd rather take him with like a Cody Bellinger. <laughs> That's where we were drafting them last year, and I'd much rather draft like a Cody Bellinger like much later, just to see if like the upside, you know, if, if it's if it's still there. But I'm not going to pay for it with Yelich. Yeah, I didn't think I was actually low on Yelich honestly until I did this exercise, because um, I'm kind of I kind of expect him to pretty much do what he did last season. Um, I just I guess people are still expecting him to do more than that or something you know which seems a little crazy at this point i mean it's yeah. it you know 2019 was a long time ago for him because you have an explanation beyond just time i mean you also have just all the back issues that he's had you know like mm-hmm. i just don't think he uh is capable of doing the things that he did back in in when he was a fantasy superstar you know so like I feel like the upside isn't really there anymore. It's just like kind of the the steady Eddie kind of production like that he gave us last year. I could see that again. Um, and I do think that has some value. Uh, but maybe it's just the name that's attached to it makes it so he's like uh, overvalued instead of undervalued. I think so, yeah. Because like if you look at like his ISO, like the power just isn't there. The last couple of seasons, like it, it's it's gone, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then just some other guys I'm fading. You, you know I'm fading Anthony Santander. I'm always fading Anthony Santander. Again. Uh, again. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, I know he hit 33 home runs last year, but um, I, I feel like that's kind of the high end of it, and he just doesn't give you anything else, you know? So he's another player that I feel like is sort of coming off a career year, and I don't want to pay for it. Um, and then uh, Ian Happ is another guy I never really – understood the, the the appeal of i mean he's i guess another kind of accumulator who like you, you move up in the fantasy pros rankings but he's not a guy i'll be drafting yeah i think that's fair and and both of those guys i have a little bit higher than you i'm not necessarily down on them versus ecr like if i am it's not by as much as you are so um but yeah i think your point's taken and we can move on let's move on to some pitchers <laughs> all right we got a lot to cover here as well uh, yeah, so who are, yeah who are some pitchers you are are high on this season well um i mean i'm just looking at my rankings uh chris sale uh i have about 10 spots higher than ecr i have him around 33rd ecr 42 43 we you know we we talked about all these guys you should go back and listen to the the starting pitcher uh previews uh, and then relief pitcher but 
Yeah, it's just like I mean, the guy's been an ace, and like last year, he just I mean, he just had some freak injuries. You know, the rib. You know, he broke his wrist like falling off a bike or something, right? Or was it a motorcycle? I don't know. Something, yeah, some sort of yeah. yeah. So you know, just like those aren't like shoulder, and it's not like pitching shoulder. It's not Tommy John. So like, I just think he could he could return to form, and like even even where he's going, just like. I don't know, 43rd, I mean, even where I have him, I just feel like he could be a top 20 pitcher. Well, you know? I've got him even higher than you, so yeah, I agree. There I, you go. I mean, I patiently held him all year last year and got no payoff out of it, but, um, you know, I'm going back to the well on him again, too. I guess I'm just stubborn. Yeah. I'm going back to the well on my guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how he's not the opening day, day starter, but... <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> that's a, that's overrated anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, so anybody, who Yeah, who else do you want to talk about? Uh, well, I mean, at the top, I, I you know, Max Scherzer and Brandon Woodruff are guys that I'm significantly higher on than the expert consensus. I've got them as my fourth and fifth overall starters, respectively, and ECR's got them at nine and 11. So, uh, mm. you know, the, there's a lot of good pitchers in that tier, but I think Scherzer, uh, it hasn't been arm injuries. So, you know, I, like he might miss a little bit of time here and there, but again, he's just going to be so dominant. Uh, when he is pitching, and it's not arm injuries, so I don't see like a a worst case scenario where he just gets shut down for the season or anything like that. Like I think he's more the kind of guy that might miss like two or three weeks at some point, but you live with that um, and and enjoy rostering him the rest of the time. Uh, Brandon Woodruff, I mean, I just I don't know. I don't really understand why people aren't more in on Woodruff. I mean, he's just been so good uh, three years in a row at this point. So. Um, I don't know what else people need to see. I, the only explanation I can think of is just Corbin Burns. The fact that they're on the same team just sort of, uh, you know, deflates Woodruff's value a little bit. It's kind of like in fantasy football. You never want to draft T Higgins cause you're drafting Jamar chase, you know, like, yeah, sure. <laughs> I don't know if there's something like that going on, but I really like Woodruff. Um, and then, yeah, Carlos Rodon, I, like I moved him way down, but when, when the injury news came up and then I moved him back up again, because, I think he's only going to miss, you know, a couple couple starts. And then we knew he was probably not going to pitch every single start all season anyway. Uh, so whether that happens in April or in August doesn't really matter to me. Um, I mean, obviously, if you're in a head-to-head league with playoffs, you don't want it to be at the end of the year. So maybe it's actually better <laughs> that it's happened, <laughs> yeah. that he gets it out of the way early. Uh, but I just – I had Rodon – as my number, like as a top five starter um, before the injury. And I, I still have him 10 spots out of ECR, even, even with the injury news. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm with you on Scherzer. He's my number three pitcher. Uh, I think Woodruff, I'm a little bit more on ECR with you. Uh, was just thinking about another injury. Like if we go a little bit further down, I have, I have a guy like Hunter Brown, like 20 spots higher than ECR. And then I saw that he was just scratched from his final spring start, which is not great. <laughs> so I might, not I might great, have to Bob. move him. Not great. I might have to move him back down a little bit, but I am I am excited about him. I am excited about someone who could be the fifth starter uh, in that rotation. And if it's him, like you know, I, I like the pitcher anyway. So something to monitor at least the the injury. But I do I do like him a bit further down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we talked about Tony Gonsolin. I know you liked him. Uh, you you might even have him higher than me, but it looks like I'm higher than consensus. Again, like ten spots. I have him at forty four. ECR fifty four. I just think like the hate has gone too far. Like people look at the underlying stats and they're like, well, he's going to regress and this and that. And it's like, well, even if he regresses, like he could still be a really good pitcher for the Dodgers and win 15 games. And I just think like at some point you just shouldn't let him slide too much. 
Yeah, no, I agree. I did move him down a little bit just because he's another guy who's hurt. So he's going to begin the season on the IL. Um, you know, so that's just something. It, it, it's a lot like Rodon, though. Like, I don't think it's an injury that's going to keep him out for a super long amount of time. It's a sprained ankle, so it's not an arm right. injury. Like, um, I, I think he'll uh, have plenty of time to put up great numbers. And again, not not the massive strikeout rate, but you can live with it when you get the kind of peripherals that he can provide and, and the win potential and all that. Um, speaking of which, Nestor Cortez of the Yankees. Like, mm-hmm. I never thought like a Yankee pitcher would be underrated, but it seems like we're kind of like <laughs> there with with Nestor Cortez because he's ECR thirty. I've got him at eighteen. I mean, he was just awesome last year, you know. And uh, it's probably the same kind of thing you're talking about with Gonsolin, where it's like people question how dominant he is, really, you know. Right. Um, but the guy gets it done, you know. The guy create he generates a ton of weak contact and uh, plays for a great team, of course. And um, you know, not a massive strikeout number, but more than a batter per inning. Good, really mm-hmm. good walk rate. Uh, peripherals uh, largely backed up what he did last year. Two straight years with an ERA under three. I just I don't really understand why people are not more in on Nestor Cortez. Yeah, and like he he threw. 158 innings last year you know the projections have him you know throwing 10 20 more innings so like he could be you know behind Garrett Cole he could just be like that you know you know sort of secondary workhorse kind of like what you're talking about with Corbin Burns and Woodruff to a much lesser extent with Cortez but maybe not I mean he just doesn't have the strikeout potential as like a Woodruff but otherwise like yeah um maybe maybe I need to move him up a little bit too I I like your points there there you go and then just you know, some other guys I, that I've talked about on the pitching pod, but Lance Lynn, like, I think he's back, and he's been really good for a long time. So I think he's still a screaming value. I've got him 15 spots ahead of ECR. Uh, Lucas Giolito, I'm buying the bounce back, baby. Twenty, I have him <laughs> at 23rd now. ECR has him at 43. Wow. So, yeah. I I mean, he was great three years in a row. You know, I'm, I'm giving him a mulligan on last season. And then John Gray, I've talked about it. Like getting out of course is going to do wonders for him. It, it helped him some last year. I think it's going to help him even more this season. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll, you you gave some higher names than I did. I'll give you a few names I like late: uh, Ronzi Contreras, Michael Kopech, Justin Steele. I'm high on all these guys versus ECR, like 15 to 20 spots. These are just guys like as you're getting toward the end of your draft. I just think they have upside. Justin Steele looked really good last year. Michael Kopech, you know, he was you know reliever turned starter, so still kind of tbd like what he can do as a starter you know in like a full season maybe if that's what he does this year so i don't know he's just got that draft pedigree uh, good strikeout potential i think Kopech could like put it all together these are guys that like i don't know you just have to take your shots late i love drafting a couple starting pitchers late and see what they do you know in april and you can always drop them if they blow up and even if they blow up like right out of the gates you don't have to start them after that you know just hold off you know yeah well Kopech was a guy i was i was very high on coming into last season and it's funny because he ended up with decent numbers. Um, I believe he had like amazing numbers early in the year, and then he had he had some regression, <laughs> which uh, he kind of deserved because his his strikeout to walk rate last year was poor. Um, but uh, he's a very talented player, so I don't think we can just assume he's going to be the same guy that he was last year. So I've started to creep him back up my rankings a little bit um, after. Uh, being a little lower on him this season uh, initially. 
yeah p- potentials there for sure yeah and you know big picture i think the fact there are so many interesting pitchers is like this is the reason that i have guys like corbin burns and garrett cole ranked a little bit lower um than the consensus overall because uh i don't think i'm taking a starting pitcher in the first 20 picks uh of a fantasy draft because there's just so many like i would be happy to make a rotation of guys like rodon and cortez and lance lynn and giolito and sale like those are all guys you can get in the middle rounds you know you don't have to take them in the first three or four rounds of your draft so um, i would rather knock out the the scarce uh infield and outfield uh positions uh, with those picks and then uh, fill in starting pitcher later well what about some pitchers who you won't draft because uh i've got a couple here logan gilbert uh he's ecr 43 mm-hmm. uh no ecr 33 i have him 43 so 10 spots later when we talked about him versus his teammate george kirby i think we both like george kirby better thought logan gilbert can be more you know like his era might creep up closer to four just the underlying metrics aren't really there for him much more excited about taking a guy like kirby ahead of him and, uh, you know, there's some other guys like a little bit later, like Tyler Molly is uh, ECR 67. I have him at 85. Just like, I don't know. There's These are guys who I just like have no interest in. Like I'm just not believing in like a Tyler Molly. But if you want to talk about some guys like a little bit higher, maybe who you don't like, uh, we can get into them. Sure. I, you know, just on your guys real quick, like Logan yep. Gilbert, like I feel like I still kind of like him. But in, in terms of ranking, I'm right there with you. I, I'm well below the consensus. I I feel like people just seem to expect some sort of massive breakout coming from him. And he just didn't show a lot last year to think that's about to happen. I mean, to me, he, he yeah. and Kopech still, like I had them in the same breath last year, and they probably still belong in the same breath. And uh, the rankings might not reflect that. Uh, yep. And Molly, too. Like, I just never have understood the hype around him. But uh, some high-end guys. Yeah, Sandy Alcantara. <laughs> like... I've got him at 12. ECR has him at four. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about the strikeouts, uh, <laughs> and he doesn't provide them. But I think that's a, a bigger issue now with the, um, the ban on the shift and things like that. And also the fact that the Marlins might have some pretty dicey infield defense as well. So uh, they might not have a lot of range up the middle with their, with their infielders. So I think he's he was already due for some regression. I think the mm-hmm. rule changes could make the regression hit harder, and the fact he doesn't provide the strikeouts as well, uh, he doesn't have that to fall back on if the ratios are not really, really, really elite. You know, so um, I think he's an accumulator again in the fantasy pros rankings. He's higher for me, but um, in a, in an actual draft, like I'm not going to be taking Sandy Alcantara because I just. He'll eat innings, but I don't think his innings are going to be nearly as uh, impactful as they were last season. Yeah, when we did our first SP episode, I think I had him at like six. And then when we did our second one, I had already moved him down to like 10. Just after we talked, you know, after we kind of talked through it. And yeah, exactly what you said. Like he's, he'll be probably really good in points leagues and like accumulate. But yeah, we'd rather take uh, Clayton Kershaw, Chris Sale, these guys who might only throw 150 innings, even, I mean, obviously like a Jacob deGrom, like, like you just, you want these guys who can be league, win, maybe not league winners, but just be really good when they pitch, you know, and exactly. then you put them on the IL when they're not. Yep. Uh, and then some other guys, Shane Bieber. I mean, velocity has been down. Uh, mm-hmm. His, his overall trend of his career has been down, you know, it's just, uh, I don't think he's the same player that he used to be. And, um, 
maybe it's not as extreme as the Christian Yelich situation, but I do feel like he might still be another guy who's kind of uh, sticker price is higher than, than it warrants. Um, you know, like last year he had that great ERA of 288, but, um, you know, I feel like his strikeout rate was under a batter per inning. Uh, his, his X ERA was 351. Um, you know, he's still, he's still very good, but, uh, I feel like he's due for some, some negative regression if he's not missing bats at the same level and with the velocity down, like, I don't think he's going to. So like, uh, I'm worried about Shane Bieber. I just feel like he, he's not the same dominant pitcher that he used to be, but the fact his ERA was so low last year, I feel like people still think he is. Yeah. Like ECR 12, you said, man. Yeah. yeah I think I'm down here with you more like 16, 17 and same thing with Alcantara. Like, he he probably will be a solid pitcher, but like he's not like he might finish in the top twenty, but he's not going to finish in the top ten. Yeah, and I actually do think with him there is a scenario where he just like really falls off too. I yeah. think it's at least possible. Uh, a guy I'm, I feel like could definitely really fall off is Dylan Cease. Um, oh, I know you hate him. <laughs> yeah, I just well, I I mean I don't hate him, but I just no no no. Yeah, but... I mean I you know he's a he's phenomenal strikeout guy, and I love the strikeouts, but like just a real lack of command um for him and uh you know the walks are just are very high um he can often run into trouble with home runs he didn't last year but i think he he could easily again uh his era last year was 220 that's completely unsustainable i mean uh the three previous years he was 391 or higher um so i just feel like he's the kind of guy who is not going to have that great an ERA or a whip like his, you know, um, it's, he's going to give you the strikeouts, but, uh, he's probably not going to be that efficient. He's probably not going to work that deep into games and that could hurt his ability to get wins too. So, um, I, I just feel like he's, he, he's, uh, he's going to give you the K's, but I don't know about the other stats. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I'm, I'm curious about these next two guys on your list. Cause I, I don't have them as low, uh, Luis Castillo, Christian Javier, I, I'm more in line with ECR on these guys. Like, I like Luis Castillo, like, coming over from Cincinnati to Seattle. Uh, you know, he kind of maintained his ratios. Um, yeah, like, I, I just think it's a better ball ballpark. Like, he'll, he's in his first full season. I, I really like Luis Castillo. I don't think he's going to be that sort of erratic, high whip, uh, you know, pitcher that he was uh, in all of his days in Cincinnati. I think things will kind of continue to improve there. And then with Christian Javier, I think, I just think he's like, like he could be this year's Spencer Strider. I mean, I, I'm sure that you always have to look at like glass half full and half empty. But I, I just have a hard time ranking him too low because I don't want to miss out on potentially getting just like the huge upside that I think Javier has. Yeah, I don't. I I didn't I feel like these are two guys. I also didn't feel like I was particularly low on. It just sort of <laughs> you, you just were <laughs> worked out that way. It might just be because I'm high on other players, you know. Um, okay, yeah. But I will say, I mean, with Castillo. I still think the walks could be an issue. I mean, like last year was a uh, you know uh, best best mark since 2018, and it was only 2.69 walks per nine, which is okay. Like you'll that will work, but that's mm-hmm. like that could easily go back over three again this year, I think. And um, you know his K rate's good, but it's not like super elite. Um, ERA has kind of been all over the place, but I agree. Like being in Seattle, like it should be lower than it was in Cincinnati. Um, but you know, WHIP. I mean, I don't think he's going to match that 108 from last year. I think it could be somewhere 
kind of in between that and what it was in Cincinnati. Um, so, it, I mean, honestly, if you look at it, home runs were never a huge problem for him, even in Cincinnati. So in that sense, getting out of Great American Ballpark might not be that huge a, a benefit to him because um, that's the main drawback to pitching there is the home run ball. Um, so, yeah. you know, his BABIP allowed last year was was really low, and I, I don't know if that can be fully explained um, by uh, by the change in venue. Um, I'm looking at it now. Like, it was, yeah, I mean, his, his BABIP was actually higher <laughs> in Seattle than it was in Cincinnati. So he, he had a really low BABIP in, the, in Cincinnati at the beginning of the season, and um, that, that might have been part of the reason he had such a huge year. So I don't hate him. I just, I just think that like, um, you know, last year is probably on the high end of what you could reasonably expect. And then, uh, Javier, uh, again, like I love the upside, but like, I don't know, man, it just feels like he's like the chosen breakout candidate for everybody <laughs> this year. And there's a lot of group think going on about that. And it's yeah. inflating his draft cost and his, his ECR ranking because, yeah, strikeouts are really high, but I mean, he also has a little bit of Dylan Cease kind of command issues <laughs> to sort through. Um, he also has a real question about how many innings he can throw. I mean, he's never, last year he threw a career high 148 and two thirds. So uh, it's a ways to go from that to 200, you know? Um, so I don't think he can, uh, you know, Spencer Strider, you compared him to, like, I mean, his K rate was like two Ks per nine more, you know, really just unbelievable strikeout rate for Strider. So I'm not ready to put him in that, in that class yet. Um, so I think he, he could be, have a little um, of, of the same concerns as, as a Dylan Cease for me. And I just feel like um, the, the upside's there, but there is a downside scenario as well. Yeah, for sure. And like you, you mentioned the group think it's, you're right. I mean, every like sleeper article or whatever you want to <laughs> say, call it's like, this is the breakout guy that a lot of people are picking and for good reason. But like, it's, it's almost like when, everyone's betting on the same thing like duke to beat tennessee like and then yeah guess what <laughs> it yeah. doesn't always happen <laughs> yep exactly um so you want to touch on some relievers real quick and then we'll we'll close up shop yeah. sure i mean uh i'll just like we talked about carlos estevez uh, at the beginning i'm maybe i'm just going to go down with the ship here i don't know and I, I may change my tune here in a week or two but like for for right now i have him uh at, at 30 uh, ecr is 49 so like I just see a scenario where he is, you know, dubbed the closer and uh, gets first crack at it. Um, so, like, you know, we talked about him already. Like, yeah, he could be bad. Um, I could be wrong here. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> I just feel like he could be the closer. So, I do have him higher. Um, I also have a lot of, like, sort of good relievers uh, way higher than ECR. You know, I'm looking at, like, Brock Burke, Will Smith. Um, I don't know, like, uh, gosh, going down the list, even like a Diego Castillo, I feel like for Seattle could get some, like he, he got a handful of saves last year. Um, just a lot of these guys, um, on my list where I feel like you, you, we talked about it on the relief pitcher episode, but like, don't forget about like decent pitchers. And maybe I shouldn't have thrown Diego Castillo in there. And I panicked and just looked at line, <laughs> my report here, but you, you get what I'm saying. Who do you have? Yeah, no, I, I agree with exactly what you're saying. I mean, the guys that I tend to have most above consensus are guys that, are not going to be the, the the guy, the closer coming into the season, but um, should get some saves here and there and are going to put up great ratios and great strikeouts. So high-end guys, you're looking at, I'm looking at Paul Sewald and Pete Fairbanks. Um, and then guys like Jason Adam, uh, all, you know, Fairbanks' teammate, and Will Smith, you mentioned, like I'm way above consensus on him, like uh, actually 48 spots 
above consensus <laughs> at yeah. relief pitcher on on Will Smith because I think like I I'm also uh, a fan of of Jose Leclerc but um, there's no guarantee he can he can hold down uh, that closer job so uh, I think Will Smith is uh, a very reliable fallback option uh, to go to uh, if it doesn't work out um, with with uh, um, who was I saying uh, with uh, Leclerc. Leclerc yeah and yep. and uh, you know Bruce Bochy is the uh, is the manager uh, there yeah. now and he actually uh, was uh, a Will Smith he was Will Smith's manager when he had uh, quite a number of saves so um so yeah, I think uh, I think he's a great option. Um, some other guys, uh, AJ Minter. I mean, he was just phenomenal last season, and I think he's probably the handcuff for Razel Iglesias uh, with the Braves. And then James Karinchak, uh, you know, he can have command issues at times, but he's got amazing stuff and can really pile up the strikeouts. And I think he could uh, step in if anything happened to Emmanuel Classe in Cleveland. Yeah, and then a couple guys like I'm down on. I see you're also, you're also you're way down on Jorge Lopez. I'm down on him, but you are like off the board. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> down not drafting him. him. Yeah, um, but like Daniel Bard, you know, in Colorado, like I think there's some regression there. That just worries me drafting any. I mean, we don't. I don't even think we ranked any uh, starting pitchers in Colorado except for Herman Marquez, who is at the very end of our list because we just felt like we had to put him on there, right? But otherwise, it's just hard to put pitchers, um, you know, from Colorado in our rankings, but. Bard, you have to, but I'm I'm down on him too. Yep, yep, um, yeah. And uh, let's see, who else am I down on? Well, Camilo Duvall, I've talked about. Like, I just think he can have some some walk issues, and I don't think he's going to be the exclusive closer. Like, I think uh, I think that uh, Taylor Rogers is going to get some saves when when lefty heavy lineups are coming up in the ninth. So. Um, that's why I'm a little down on him, but I have been creeping him back up a little bit just because of the state of, of closers. I feel like he at least is pretty locked in as like the, the main guy there. Um, right. And then, yeah, you met, you mentioned Jorge Lopez. Like, I just don't want guys that I feel like, uh, aren't, you know, might get some saves, but are going to really hurt me elsewhere. So he's just a guy I'm, I'm going to pass on. Yeah. I mean, I will say he is better in the bullpen than he was ever as a starter in Baltimore. Good grief. That guy was every time the fourth, fifth inning would roll around, he would just implode. But yeah, but um, do you remember how was, bad he was last year after he got traded also? I mean, like, yeah, no, he that's was true. really I mean, bad. <laughs> yep. You know, I feel like it was like smoke and mirrors. Like, um, with him last year, it was kind of like, you know, the, the Orioles got out just in time, <laughs> basically. <laughs> They sold high. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I think that might wrap it. We 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 got through all the epi- all the uh, positions there. Yeah. Well, so this is what we did instead of a um, bold predictions article or uh, podcast topic, I guess I should say. Um, yeah. So it, it covered the same basis, so to speak. Um, and please do go to rosrankings.com and check out all our rankings. We've got notes for over 400 players on there. So a lot of stuff to... Uh, to uh, look at if you haven't drafted your team yet, all free of charge, rosrankings.com. And, of course, if you have any questions for us, you can always reach out to us on Twitter. This will be our last pod before opening day. So, uh, yeah, you want you want advice from us, you got to reach out to us on social media. <laughs> I am at Andrew underscore Seifter. And I am at Barton Wheeler. We appreciate everyone listening to the podcast. If you like the show, please follow, subscribe, rate, and review. 
We are out of here. We gone. You've been listening to the Rest of Season Rankings Podcast. Go to www.rosrankings.com for more.